0: Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1, and here is the best thing about Top 5. We get so many emails with suggestions, we never have to come up with our own ideas on this show. (laughs) This week, from one of our listeners, Top 5 movies with bad endings. Top 5 movies with bad endings. Now, they're not saying Top 5 bad movies. These could be really, really good movies that just have Mm -hmm. horrible endings. Or they could just be horrible movies that also have a horrible ending, but I think the person is going with the... Movies that, uh, that are good, but have a crap ending.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my number five, it's one of those that Matthew likes. Cause it's got the, the manic pixie dream girl in it.
1: Oh, I love those. And it
0: tells the tale of, uh, a boy and a girl who fall in love and they're together for 500 days. Oh, and then no. at the end they break up. Oh, no. That girl's name was summer and they break up. And so it's a it's a, you know, love loss kind of story and everything's fine until until our hero meets a new girl. And her name is Autumn. 500 Days of dun, Summer. Dun, dun, dun! Dun! What it's a it's a ending. Yeah, it's such a cute little movie. And then it's like, "Oh, hey everybody, you know how the name of the show is 500 Days of Summer? Hey, here's my new yeah, girl. No. Her name's Autumn and then Winter and then hey, we got to <laughs> date spring sometime in 6 months from now." <laughs> So, this yes,
1: my new girlfriend discontent She comes <laughs> after
0: winter. Uh, yes. So my number five, 500 days of summer. Rodrigo, what do you have for number five?
2: Uh, my number five, uh, is not a great movie, but, um, I, I was, there, there are parts of it that I, that I really enjoyed and I was just very disappointed by the ending. And that's, uh, the amazing Spider-Man two. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not disappointed by the fact that they went there, right? It's like, if you have Gwen Stacy in your movie, you're just looking for that scene to happen at some point. That's not the problem. Um, the problem is that Peter grieves for her, gets over it, and gets back in the saddle in five minutes after it happens. Five minutes of movie mm-hmm. in this like very fast... Um, sort of collage of Peter being sad. And then just so that they can basically launch you into the next movie. And I, I thought, you know, it's like now we know that a third movie was just never going to happen. Right. But how interesting would it have been to end that movie on a down note? You know, yeah. to I, I, that movie had other structural problems, but to structure it so that there is, you know, when Stacy dies, and Peter's not over it, but you know maybe you can leave it on like a hopeful note of like, well, you know maybe he feels responsible, but he's gonna like do something about it or whatever. Like you can you can give a a, a down, you can end something in in a, a, a sadly, and still leave it open for something to happen afterwards. You know, obviously the, the obvious clear example is um, uh, Empire Strikes Back, right? It's right. like uh-huh. the the heroes are scattered, but they all made it out. And, you know, it's like nobody knows if things are going to go well or not. But, you know, it's also not a crap sack. And, and it doesn't. Uh, and also the movie doesn't say, but everybody's going to be back together. And then like. Uh-huh you know, send you off like that. So yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie with a lot of flaws, one of which is the uh that ending. Also a lot of great scenes. Like I like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is actually solidly 50-50 for me. There's like a lot of funny, cute things in it. Mm -hmm. And there's also just like awful, terrible, unwatchable stuff in it.
0: All right. There you go. Matthew, what do you have for number four? Or five, I'm sorry.
1: My number four we'll get to in a minute but my number five is first of all when you come into my number five you have to you have to have kind of a set piece i want to give you just sort of an idea of where i come into this my number five is derived from a comic book so points in its favor but that comic book is a mark miller joint so balancing points we're kind of now at a negative and i didn't enjoy the comic which points against it but I really kind of enjoy the work of some of the actors in it. And I feel like the director has some, some guts to him. And there's a, there's a Colin Firth in it. And there's a Samuel L. Jackson in it. and There's a Michael Caine in it. And I'll watch anything with Michael Caine in it. He's, he's bloody brilliant. He is. So thank you, by the way, uh, for all of the naughty and angry letters you're going to write to Stephen. I apologize for the inconvenience. But when I sat down to watch Kingsman, the Secret Service, I was struck by a couple of things. One, it's really kind of a by the numbers spy movie, which is fine. And it has some big Mark Miller elements and it has some modern set pieces to kind of jazz it up and give the James Bond stuff just a little tweak and make it feel good. And the main character is eh, he's charismatic enough. But at one point, about three quarters of the way through the film, he discovers that. I think it's the princess of Sweden is in the villain's lair. And he's like, if I save you, do I get a kiss? And the princess of Sweden says, and I'm paraphrasing, if you save me, you can stick your gugus in my get And he raises his eyebrow and looks to the camera. And I'm like, okay, it's a crass joke. Movie ends, saves the day, goes back to the prison, does not let the princess of Sweden out of the prison, goes into her prison cell. And the last thing we see is his handler, Turning off the feed from his little uh, eyeglass spyglass thing, which is clearly him about to, you know, this poor woman who's been trapped in prison. This villain stole her and imprisoned her. And he is literally going to take her up on her Stockholm syndrome offer to stick his gugus in her gishmoigedi. And that moment is so crass and so dumb and I mean, it's that is sexist. That is some sexist bullcrap. And it really did flatten any of the peaks that I might have had in the film, because again, there are some really fun moments. And there's, you know, Colin Firth murdering fifty people to the sounds of Leonard Skinner. So that's like three things I like right there. There's Colin Firth and Leonard and Skinner. But that ending is just so bad. And it's 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 a Philip. It's a little joke. It's a little throwaway line that comes after. The big, dumb climax where, you know, we're pretty sure it's Barack Obama gets killed or almost gets killed or I don't know. But I just, I was so put off by that moment that I really, you know, slapped myself in the forehead and said, stupid, you forgot it's a Mark Miller joint. And that is one of the worst endings. My number five worst ending, Kingsman, The Secret Service.
0: All right. Very cool. Uh, Here we swing back around into our number fours and- This movie has some high points because it's kind of a a thriller and it's got some cool jumpy moments in it. And then the then the end happens and everyone's expected to batter up. And then you really start to think about how dumb the ending of signs is because. Suddenly you realize the whole premise of the movie becomes stupid based on the fact that the ending (laughs) reveals that these aliens are deathly allergic or will die if they if you splash them with water. And I got to be the alien overlord here just going, yeah, that planet's uh, 70% covered uh, with water and it rains in most of the places. And um, yeah, sure. Let's just land there in uh, Ohio or wherever the heck that uh, the story takes place because, uh, you know, they're not irrigating their crops. What could go wrong? And all the other dumb alien under underlings are like, yes, your highness. Oh, that's a brilliant idea, your highness. Hmm. But signs four, where it's just like batter up and you just splash the aliens with water and then they go away in the end. That's a really dumb ending to a movie that had some moments until you realize the whole premise of the movie is stupid. My number four <laughs> signs, a movie with a really bad ending.
1: Is that Bill Paxton?
0: No, that is uh uh Mel Gibson, isn't it? No. Yep. Yeah, Mel Gibson in that movie.
2: Which M-O one Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I don't There's know. I think backs, you're thinking
0: so of aliens.
1: No, 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 I'm not thinking of aliens. I'm thinking of frailty. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Mm, I don't maybe. Know. Never mind. Well, Rodrigo, what do you have for number four?
2: My number four is probably going to be contentious because I think a lot of people like it even physically with, fight you, Rodrigo. Yes. Even with it's what I consider to be terrible ending. Um, and that is No Country for Old Men. Mm. Oh. And and listen, well, I'm probably going to get some like, well, you just didn't get it, man. And listen, probably, uh, <laughs> but I think I get it. I think I get this idea that it's like, hey, man, it's like you can't just wrap everything neatly with a bow at the end of two hours. You know, real life isn't like that. And I get it. If if No Country for Old Men is trying to make us feel like uh, losing a person actually does, in that if somebody dies and it seems to be before their time, like it sure feels like uh, a an abrupt ending to something good instead of uh, like something that is like neatly and 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 fulfillingly put together, Um, but. It just seems weird. It seems weird to kill your point-of-view character, like, you know, off-screen. And it seems weird for this guy to just kind of wander away. And it's like, well, who knows what happened to any of these characters that the movie spends a lot of time making us care about. Uh, Either being terrified of or being interested in what they do and whether they're going to uh, be able to play both sides without dying. Uh, spoiler alert, they, they don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just like, it's, Um, I don't, like, I think there's a way to make a movie that makes you feel bad about your point of view character dying and the bad guy getting away. It's not the point of view character dying and the bad guy getting away thing that bothers me. It's the fact that it played the way it played. Yeah. There's got to be a way to do that without... It just feeling like, well, I guess I was there going to be a sequel to this? I don't know. Anyway, No Country for Old Man, my number four. Awesome. That movie just kind of rolls off the end of the pier, doesn't it? It does. It really does. It's like I, I I, have this idea. I never saw it in the theaters, but I have this idea like you're sitting there watching the movie, and two-thirds of the way through, they just turn the lights on on you. And it's like, mm. well, is the, oh, it's over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's what, what Eddie is refers to as that sort of Oh, feeling. Yep. Yeah. Which also appears in my number four movie with a bad ending. Um, Unlike my number five, which was based on the work of a creator who I have a contentious relationship in a bad way or with whom I suppose I should say my number four is based on the work of a creator with whom I have a contentious relationship in all the best ways. Um, his first film used to be on TV all the time when I was a kid and it gave me nightmares and it probably made me the person that I am today, or was at least one of the major, um, forces, I think that turned me into the terrible, horrible little man that, you know, but when, uh, George Romero made his second film, dawn of the dead, I was like, this is great. This is amazing. This is cool. And so in 2004, when they said, hey, we're going to remake Dawn of the Dead, I said, yeah, I mean, it could totally suck. I'll still have the original, but think of Dawn of the Dead done with a big budget and special effects and an actual director. And they gave us two of those three things. Mm -hmm. But when you get into 2004's Dawn of the Dead uh, directed, and I use the term loosely by Zack Snyder, you discover three important facts. One, Sarah Pauly. It's just amazing. You could put Sarah Polly in a room reading the alphabet backwards, and it would be entertaining. And two, this James Gunn kid who wrote the thing definitely has something going for him. It is not, however, endings, because when you get to the end of Dawn of the Dead, and, you know, spoilers, Dawn of the Dead takes place during a zombie apocalypse. It's one of those movies where, yeah, most of the characters in it are dead, guys. But as we slowly kill everybody on the film in a little bit in terrible ways. And, you know, we meet our, our stock characters. There's the wall street jerk. There's the doting dad. There's the goofy girl. And there's the, the smart nurse lady. And there's the, um, tough cop guy who takes command and takes charge, by the way, played by Ving Rhames. really, really good stuff. And you get to the end of this film and they're like, okay, well, they've been, sh- they've been holed up in a shopping mall. Spoilers. They're like, okay, we're going to make a run for it. They make a run for it. And the movie ends kind of ambiguously, which I love. And that's, you know, a very Romero thing. And then we get to the, the credits. And Snyder chose to intersperse the credits with little bits of home video film from a camera that the characters had. So as the credits are going, you're like, okay, I have this solid ending. I have this moment. Big romantic moment, I have a big hero thing, I have all this stuff, and they get on the they get on this boat and they're going off onto this island where theoretically they're going to be fine. The original Dawn of the Dead ends roughly the same way. Uh, It ends with an ambiguous sort of ambiguity to it. And that's the best kind of ambiguity, because you don't want that certain ambiguity. Um, that sentence made no sense at all, so just play along. But you get to the end of this movie and in the closing credits. They intersperse little scenes that are fun at first, and then they start getting less fun, and then they completely undermine the ending of the movie. They gave us an ending that worked, and then they stuck little Easter eggs in the closing credits that killed the mood, that killed the ending of the film, and really sent me away with a bad taste in my mouth. So now, Dawn of the Dead is a movie that if I catch it on cable, I'll sit and watch. But as soon as we get to that final scene, we fade to black, and then you get the, uh, the terrible music by Disturbed coming up. I'm like, okay, we're done. We're out. You have to end it there, just like Phoebe's mom ended Old Yeller with the happy kids and the happy dog before they ever had to put him in the corn crib. Because if you watch the closing credits of Dawn of the Dead from 2004, it will ruin everything that you just sat for 96 minutes and watched.
0: There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, my number three. Planet of the Apes. Now I'm not talking about the good Planet of the Apes, where Charlton Heston discovers that that was our planet,
1: Serling one. Yeah,
0: what I'm talking about is that horrible. Was it 2001? Uh, Marky Mark version, where Marky Mark defeats the Planet of the Apes and and beats the head gorilla (laughs) guy, and then he goes back up into space.
1: Beetlejuice, right? I
0: believe so. And then he goes back up into space. And then he lands back on the planet and then is it, did he go back in the past? And then the whole planet is all apes and, and the, the general's head is on top of Abe Lincoln's body. And
1: Abraham Gibbon,
0: that movie, that ending makes no sense. They don't even try to explain what happened. Did he jump into a parallel timeline? Was he actually in the past instead of the future? I mean, that movie makes no sense. And people walk out of that theater going, Oh yeah, there was Charlton Heston as one of the apes. That was kind of cool. And, you know, the, that was, I guess, kind of neat that they did some Planet of the Apes remakes, but, and that ending, what does it mean? And I'll be completely honest with you. After watching that Planet of the Apes, I have refused to watch any Planet of the Apes movie after that. And apparently all the other Planet of the Apes movies have nothing to do with the Marky Mark movie, but I don't care. they fudged up that, that franchise for me <laughs> and I will never watch planet of the apes ever again because of that. So Ugh. planet of the apes yeah, as a pretty good movie. What a horrible ending. Did you guys understand the ending of that movie? No, okay. I don't I remember. It, it
1: sucked. Does that, does that count?
0: I'm, I'm still today. I'm just like, wait, he crashes back to earth. He crashes into right. the Lincoln Memorial he wanders right. up the steps, sees the gorilla head, freaks out, turns right. around, all the cops pull up and they're all gorillas. And then right. the movie ends and it's like, what? Somewhere.
1: What? Somewhere on the interwebs there is this long and involved explanation of how it's all there in the movie apparently that somehow when he went back in time the villain went back further in time or some such nonsense. Just, ugh, no, just don't. If you have to do, if you have to make me a diagram and five pages of explanation of how the last two minutes of your movie went.
0: I'm, I'm not. Well, going. listen, if you're watching Donnie Darko or you're watching Primer and you need a, a diagram to show how everything loops around and how the time travel works, I'm perfectly OK with that. OK, but Planet of the Apes was a movie that did not need a <laughs> diagram. It needed Marky no. Mark to go home and to yeah. run down the street screaming, raving. We've got to be aware of the planet of the apes. And everyone locks him up at the end. And then right. you pan across the street from the, uh, the psych ward to the zoo and you see some gorillas just sitting in the cages looking across at him. And you know that they're plotting to take over the yeah. world. That's how you end the, a Planet of the Apes movie. And the baby chimpanzee says, Mama! Yeah, exactly. Mama. Exactly. And Cornelius goes, well, there you go. You've ruined it again, Ursa. And the movie credits roll. Planet of the Apes, my number three. That makes no sense either. <laughs> just roll with it. Rodrigo, what do you have for number three?
2: Uh, my number three is actually a movie that also fudged up a franchise for me, um, and that's uh, X-Men The Last Stand. Mm. And to be clear, it's not so much that X-Men The Last Stand is a decent movie with a bad ending. It's kind of a bad ending to a movie trilogy, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- this whole movie is sort of that bad ending. Um yeah it really turned me off of the x-men for a long time i think um the next x-men movie that i actually s- sat down to watch at all was uh days of future past
0: mm. um, which also probably ruined the x-men franchise for you
2: uh no because mm. x-men that, days of future past erases oh yeah uh, erases X-Men all, all Last of it. Right. yeah That's it right. does it, it that just,
1: one actually ends well
2: Yeah. And if they had just stuck with that, that would have been good. But then they went and made X-Men Apocalypse, which people complain about. I haven't seen it because um, I learned my lesson. Like, after (laughs) X2, like, X2 is like, oh, yeah, the Phoenix Rises. It's like, well, that sure is ominous. Bye. That's what I should have done. (laughs) So, with with, uh, Days of Future Past, um, I was like, well, this sure ties up the X-Men with a nice little bow. There's still some dangling plot threads that they're probably not going to address and some inexplicable dumb things um, as to like the current iteration of Wolverine's backstory. But it doesn't matter. Basically, they did exactly what they needed to do. They erased the worst movie. Um, and left it ambiguous as to whether everything prior actually happened. So you can construct your own, uh, head cannon as, as it were. Um, and then, so when they were like, now X-Men apocalypse. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to watch that. So yeah, for me, uh, bad, bad ending times X-Men, the last stand. There you go. Mm -hmm.
0: Matthew, what is your number three?
2: Well, I would say that my number three
1: fudged up. a a movie franchise but i'll be honest with you it's the final destination franchise Mm -hmm. so you're not really i mean this is not shakespeare the whole point of final destination is really watching obnoxious people in situations where you want to see what sort of rube goldberg device uh death dismemberment and or beheading comes to them uh, final destination movies have, you know, a scene where a guy accidentally kills a woman by knocking over a chair because the house is on fire, but it hits a knife that fell into her chest by accident earlier in the film. And It also has the moment where two pretty cheerleaders are trapped in a malfunctioning canning bed, and it's just, ugh, you don't want any part of that. But final destination five, the final, final destination. Which again, I don't know, you can't call something like that penultimate destination, that's ridiculous. And we're up to Final Fantasy number 56, so you can kind of get away with it. But in Final Fantasy number 5, the whole schmageggy starts over. People almost die on a bridge. They discover that they are being killed by a vengeful, invisible spirit of death. And this time it's super creative and probably almost funny. In some of these cases, there's some really, really black humor deaths in here that are kind of likable. And all the characters are kind of likable. And there's something about this film, though, as you watch it, that just feels off. This is a film that came out in the year 2011. And this is a film that you have these teenage kids running around. And about halfway through, I'm like, you know, Stephen always says that a movie can be ruined by cell phones. Yep. And this one, this one would be over. If they just use their cell phones and i realize they don't have cell phones and i realize nobody has their cell phones and as the movie goes on i'm like there are things about this that ju- it just feels off and you get to the end of the movie and you discover why and by the way if you don't want to be f- spoiled for final destination five don't listen now if you I guess if you really are worried about being spoiled for Final Destination 5, I I can get you a number of a man who will listen to you. But at the end of this film, we see our characters get on an airplane and we see a retelling of the first scene of the first Final Mm. Destination movie. Mm -hmm. And we discover that this thing is a flashback.
0: Final Destination
1: 5 is actually a prequel to the original Final Destination movie from like 1999 or 2001 or some such. And so you get to the end of this movie and you're like, all I wanted to see was pretty people getting killed by flying wrenches and things. You know, I'm not necessarily here for this bizarre involved kind of, you know, scavulo hell revolving door kind of thing. But you get to the end of that. And on the one hand, I'm like, that's kind of cool. That's that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of into that. And then on the other hand, I realize that it's nothing. <laughs> I mean it it's literally nothing there's 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 really no craft to that. and even though they did kind of set it up and you go through that whole film, everybody dies. You know it's not like anybody learns an important lesson or you know love's lost and and heart's broken and people put together. It's not like love in the time of cholera or something. It's basically a slasher flick, only the slasher is invisible death. And coming back around to the beginning of it. It's really great because it ties the whole Final Destination uh, trilogy, the oeuvre, if you will, the entire Final Destination mythos into one big bow. But then it made me sad that there was, A, a Final Destination mythos, and B, a part of me that kind of cared. And so at the end of Final Destination 5, I just went away sad and went off and watched the latest Paranormal Activity film. So, you know, y- you take the good, you take the bad.
0: All right. Uh we are up to number 2. Or mm. down to number 2 depending on which way your list goes. Down. Always yeah. Down. Yeah. Um let's talk about Greece.
2: <laughs> I knew it was coming. The country?
0: No, Greece the the movie oh. with John Travolta oh. and Olivia Newton-John. Now, you know, this movie uh, takes place in 1959. But the movie came out in, in like 1970, what, eight, seventy eight, seventy seven, seventy eight, 78, 77, 78. Something like that. Uh, and so all the styles and everything have to fit with that seventies, uh, vibe, including the music, which is a little bit more disco-y than 1959. We can, we can look past all of that. Um, we can even look past the whole, uh, Sandy, you must turn into kind of a trashy girl in order to get the guy that you want change and,
1: everything about yourself to win the man you love.
0: Yeah, and, and Danny Zuko doesn't have to do anything. I mean, we can see past all of that if we want, right?
1: We can even see past Stockard Channing being 37 years old and playing <laughs> and a high playing school kid.
0: High, high school kid, right. But the thing that makes this movie horrible <laughs> is when Get ready kids. In you the middle
1: Steven's Grease rip.
0: <laughs> in the middle of a carnival, a car just comes cruising down And Danny and Sandy get into that car and they fly away into the heavens. And she just waves back at everybody and everybody's waving back and no one's like going, Holy crap, we've got flying cars! It's 1959! This is the future! (laughs) Nobody is freaking out that Danny Zuko and the rest of the Zookettes cobbled together a flying car in the garage at hell High. Oh, I'm sorry. They're the T-Birds. Sorry. The T-Birds walk like a T-Bird. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible ending. Now, look, I'm not going to spend this time talking about the conspiracy theory that this is really all Sandy's last dying memory before she, because she actually drowned. Right. I'm not going to talk about that. But a flying car at the end of your high school musical is like a horrible, bad ending.
1: I wish more movies ended with a flying car. Repo Man? Yeah, it's like... Repo like, Man like ends Grand with a flying
0: Torino.
1: car? Gran Torino. Yeah. Uh, you know, he gets shot, he gets into his car, just flies off into the sky. <laughs> Formula chitty, chitty One? Bang Bang ends with a flying car? Chitty Chitty
0: Bang Bang, uh, flying car? You're right. Depending on how you define it. But see, it, here's the thing. Yeah, chitty Chitty Trek Bang star. Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the man Mm -hmm. invents a flying car. That's the whole point of that movie. Repo Man. The whole point of the car flying around at the end is because of the aliens in the back of the trunk. (laughs) Grease, flying car, just dumb. It's like whoever wrote this thing. Let me look here. Who wrote this movie? Produced by, Mm -hmm. screenplay by Bronte Woodard. Bronte Woodard, or Bront Woodard. I think he got (laughs) to the end and he's like, all right, I've totally ruined this nice girl, Sandy. Danny doesn't change at all. I got nowhere else to go. And he flips through his like stack of uh, random cards that he puts together to make up his movie. And he pulls out Mm -hmm. flying and car. And he's like, that's it. Musical number, flying car. Everybody waves at the end.
2: (laughs) I just, I just, I really think that it wasn't that. I, I gotta imagine that. They shot that ending or the ending up, you know, to that final song and they showed it to an executive and the executive is like, "Eh, it needs something, something like punchy, something to get you like, you know, it like it has to end on like something crazy. And it's like, well, like what? It's like, I don't know, a giant spider, a flying car, a uh, ghost. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. No, but here's
0: the thing. They could have just. Driven out of the parking lot, driven down Mm -hmm. the big Highway 1 of California with the clouds and everything on the horizon, and they're turning back and waving into the parking lot. They could have ended that way. They could have ended if they really wanted the car to fly. They could have just driven the car right off the edge of a cliff, and that that would have been a better ending.
1: I have the answer. All right. All right. And it's one of the few times, and the people who listen to this show know that occasionally I do delve into what I call universal string field theory, which says that any character played by any actor is the same character, no matter which movie that actor is in. And here's why it works. Danny and the T-Birds have a uh, shop teacher named Mrs. Murdoch. Mrs. Murdoch helps them build the car that they use in the race sequence against the evil guy who is evil because he has bad skin. And don't yeah, think I don't take that person
0: is a, is a sign of evilness. Yeah.
1: that woman is played by Alice ghostly. Alice Ghostly. Ah, is ghost, right. Yeah, ghost. No, she is best known for playing Esmeralda, the witch, mm. Samantha's cousin on Bewitched. So this is the thing: before she became Samantha's cousin, it was 1959. She was hiding in normal human society, but Esmeralda was bad with her powers, so she accidentally built a flying car. And what we don't see is a scene after Greece, where up in the upper atmosphere, Sandy and Danny freeze and starve to death <laughs> because they don't know how to get down. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that that car flies is because their shop teacher was Esmeralda, and she accidentally imbued it with some of the magical power that she gets from her mother and Dora.
0: I would, I would rather go with, uh, this is Sandy dying on the beach, and these are her weird <laughs> memories.
1: I will do literally anything to fight off that particular storytelling
0: trope. Yeah, I, I don't think you can. It's, it's in I, the zeitgeist I, now, right? Isn't that I what they can. say? They well, say it's they in the zeitgeist. That's so an interesting say, well, theory, but I don't I don't go for it necessarily, but my goodness. You'd rather Flying murder car. an 18-year-old girl than admit to the You just were of talking witches. about final destination where pretty uh, high school kids get getting whacked off. That's,
2: that's <laughs> yeah, a that's a, that's that That's a pretty That's a pretty summation. <laughs> that's a pretty good summation of final destination. Attractive people get whacked off. <laughs> take it take it as you will. Yeah. So put that on your list of best band names for this episode yeah. of Top 5.
0: Rodrigo, what do you have for number two? Uh,
2: my number two is a, a movie that I was very expecting uh, a lot from, and I feel delivered on a lot of it. Um, and through no fault of its pacing or, or special effects or anything, uh ended up with sort of the wrong ending and that's Scott Pilgrim versus the world
0: mm, yeah definitely um, mm.
2: in Scott Pilgrim comics mm-hmm. you know um you have a lot of time to figure out why Scott and Ramona should end up together um and you can still disagree with that because you know they make a case for both sides of that argument they they really do They're both kind of, you know, grown-up babies, and they're like they're just bad at things, and you know whatever. Um, But one hundred percent, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the movie, Scott should have ended with knives. They play the whole movie plays so that he gets back together with knives, and then he doesn't. And from what I understand, that was the original ending that they had planned, and then they made a call to bring it in line with the uh, source material but they didn't go back and reshoot two-thirds of the movie to make that ending make more sense
0: um because uh doesn't he and knives uh fight the 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 uh last yeah. video game together and it's like oh that's a uh, perfect yeah. pairing
2: yeah basically knives the, together defeat gideon yeah yeah he he starts out and he's dating knives and he's a bad boyfriend to Knives, and he basically leaves her uh, for this other girl. And then eventually, it all comes together, and the things that Steve, that that Scott did with uh, Knives um, come back around and become positive things. Whereas his relationship with Ramona really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ramona just kind of comes across as someone with a lot of baggage. Who, you know, is like isn't like isn't ready for another relationship, which is basically what she's been telling him from the beginning. Like, I'm not this is not good. I'm not ready for this, blah, blah, blah. Like the way that the movie set up, it like it really, really makes it seem like even after he went through all of this, is like, how much better is it that he went through all this stuff with this other girl? It made him a very better person. And then he's like, Oh, now it can be a good boyfriend <laughs> right, right. to this girl who is willing to still give me a chance, right? Mm-hmm. But no. Just, you know, Magic Door. Mm-hmm. What a shame. What yeah. a shame!
1: They wasted so much potential in that film yeah. because I mean, duh, the books are so good. It, and they really did. So good.
2: I I I really wish that they had just I really wish they had uh over uh like just overreached and made two movies like been like, okay, this is great. We're going to shoot two movies at once because they had to crunch the book so hard to make this one movie. If they had done two movies, it would have given them a little bit more room and maybe a little bit more room to have that ending. You know? Well,
0: yep. uh, remind me, cause my timeline's a little off. Didn't the movie come out before the final book came out?
2: Uh, it started production before the final book okay. came out, but right. I yeah. think by the time the movie came out, the final book yeah. was out. Okay, The final book was out, but I don't believe that they knew how the final book ended when right. they made the movie. Right, They started production before it was written, so or finished anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. They, they had to extrapolate a la yeah. Game of Thrones.
0: A la Game of Thrones. Mm. 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 Brian Lee O'Malley, what are you working on these days? Not girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. that's right. Yep. yep, 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 yep. All right. We are. Oh, gee, are we are. Uh, Matthew, you've got a number two.
1: I've got a number two. All right. And it is a genuine number two. <laughs> and I'm glad that this wasn't good movies with bad endings because this movie is not good. It, it was never good. This is a movie that and this is this is a legend behind the film. I'm going to tell you a little bit of Hollywood stuff right now this movie was half made by one creator. Then they ran out of money and they stopped. And another creator wanted to, he needed a second movie to play as a double feature to get his movie released. And I presume this is like grindhouse drive-in theater stuff where his film wasn't quite long enough. So they needed two. So he bought this half a film, added some more scenes and added dialogue. And of course, in some cases had to like hire new cast members. So some of the cast members just sort of up and change halfway through it. But it's a story of a monster, sort of an astronaut named Frank who is in a spaceship coming down to earth and suddenly disappears. And then they see a giant radioactive monster. Oh my God. And this is how you kick into 1965's science fiction, horror number two monster, a go-go. Mm -hmm. This is this is a movie that is so bad that the mystery science theater guys couldn't do that much with it. I mean, they had to really work. And there are points in this film where even watching the wonder that is Joel and the bots cannot entertain you because it's just so bad. And there's there's one legendary moment in this film doesn't have anything to do with the ending, but I want to share it anyway. Characters are sitting there. They're in an office sequence and the phone is ringing. And the phone is clearly somebody going, bring, 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 just off screen. (laughs) But as this movie ends, we get to a point where the the monster is in in the sewers under the city, and the scientists are chasing him down, and they run around a corner, and he's gone. And then they they get a telegram that says, Oh, yeah, they found him in the North Atlantic. There was never a monster at all. And (laughs) the last line of the films is, you have witnessed the line being shaved even thinner, but is the menace still with us? And the question is yes. The answer is absolutely yes, because whoever came up with this is still alive. And that's just unfair. Movie just stops, just ends. There was never anything. And it, I mean, it makes the whole thing pointless, which kind of kills your twist ending. I mean, a twist ending even a bad twist ending you can go okay well yeah she thinks it's 1876 but they're really in a wildlife preserve it's not a good twist but it's a twist that at least justifies some of the gymnastics that that movie went through not to keep beating on poor M. Night Shyamalan but this movie is just it's like nobody cared it's like the first creative team couldn't care to finish it and the second creative team was like you know we just need 68 minutes of this thing let's just slap something on and when we run out of film we're done and that's just so depressing to me as someone who once actually you know wanted to make movies and as someone who watches a lot of movies you just can't you can't end something and literally say to the people watching yeah you never should have cared about this there was no giant there was no monster there was nothing for these guys to follow bye Enjoy our feature film. Just ugh, so sad. Now I'm depressed. For my number two, Monster A Go Go.
0: Oh wait, I'll make you even more depressed with my number one. Okay. Are you ready? Safety this is a up. this is a TV movie. Oh no! But this is a two parter TV movie. Oh no! It's a it's a TV movie that everyone had high hopes for because it was uh, based on a book by a well known horror author. Oh, no. It's got freaking John Boy in it. Oh, no. And then someone picks up a stone and slingshots it into the spider's head and they all go home. I'm talking about it. Which, you know, to be fair, that's kind of how the book ended. But what a stupid letdown of a movie and a stupid letdown in a book, which, again, I like Stephen King. Don't get me wrong. But he has horrible endings to all of his stories so He's it, not a master of endings yeah I, I haven't seen the new it uh the one that came out 27 years after the original yeah but the uh was i think it was a cbs was it cbs or abc i, I forget it was Matthew. abc ABC. abc
1: like uh it was a movie event it yes. was a miniseries yeah
0: it was a movie uh, yeah because the first night was the kid's story mm-hmm. and then the second night was the adult story and mm-hmm. in the end I, they pick up the shiny button oh it's a button not a rock and, yeah, they, it a,
1: and it was a silver silver
0: But Yeah. And they shoot the spider in the head and he's dead and they all go home well, and it's just he crawls like, off really? to die, And then they rip out his heart. But yeah, it's terrible. Really? It's uh, okay. I, I watched guess
1: that's this recently with the widget.
0: Oh, uh, the, uh, the John boy version,
1: the John boy version. Okay. She did, She was like, I want to go to the movies and see it. Well, I don't have any money. You want to watch the old one? There's an old one. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, of course that got her attention. So we watched it and the first half. She's like, is this all just set up? Is this all? Yeah, yeah, it is. And then we get to the end and she's like, so that's it. I'm like, yes, honey, that is it. Hmm. And then I told her how the book ended and skeeved her out so bad that she won't talk to me anymore.
0: (laughs) Um, how the book ended or how part one ended.
1: How the
0: childhood portion of yes, the book. Yes, how part one ended. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. If yeah. you know what I'm talking about, uh, just scream at the top of your lungs and scream and scream and, put your, and scream. Put you your probably... hands
0: over your ears and just scream yeah. and go, ah, that was the worst. time ah, how can Stephen King do you that? You probably ah. have,
1: if you're lucky, you have time to sit in the shower rocking and crying <laughs> for 11 hours before
0: work tomorrow. <laughs> <sighs> he does some, he does some good horror and sets up some good horror and tells some good horrific stories. But man, does is- the ending of it just blow chunks? And that's why it's my number one movie with a bad ending. This may not be the last king on the list. Oh, it may not be. Let's find out what Rodrigo has at his number one.
2: My number one is not a Stephen King movie. Oh
0: man, I thought we had our—I thought we exchanged emails. What yeah. are we
1: supposed to?
2: Uh, I don't read. <sighs> word <laughs> why can't it, which explains reach? which
0: explains why he doesn't have Stephen King on his list oh, exactly
2: right. uh now my number one movie with a bad ending uh is uh, a movie that i love and i still love it despite its terrible ending um and that is the matrix <gasps>
0: um
2: the Matrix is a, a movie that redefined a lot of what action movies uh, are and were doing. It's a movie that is both a pow, pow pow karate chop action movie and also a pretty fil- like pop philosophy like, you know, it's a it's a deep movie in its own way. It's actually asking questions of its audience that you might, you know, sit there and think about for a while. Uh, what if this is all a whale's dream or something? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's like the movie ends, basically ends, and the good guys win, and um, they've struck a blow against the bad guys. And then Neo makes a phone call, and he threatens the bad guys, and he's like, "Yeah, we're coming for you, and you can't, you can't keep us down anymore, man." And he's like, "Great." He hangs up, and we get this overhead shot of the city, and then the movie ends forever, and nothing else happens.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure there was part where he was like...
2: No, never mind. Yeah, so yeah. what happens immediately after that is we get this overhead shot of the city, and we see, you know, whiz by Because he's Superman. Like, Flying dun, like a Superman does. And it... Like, I remember watching that and being like, yeah. what? Aww. You know, and it's like, and and it's funny because that's, that moment is where I think the Matrix sequel start is the very end of the Matrix. Um, And from there on out, it's like a completely different tone to those movies. They're still trying to kind of accomplish the same thing, but the world of the Matrix is small. It's a very small... Yeah, they got to fit it on
0: one blade server there in the uh, the rack of, of the universe.
2: I mean, yeah, literally... You know, is like all cities are the same. All people are like uh, subjugated by one intelligence. The world of the Matrix is pretty small. And when they try to expand it in the sequels, um, it just kind of starts to break down. It's not as interesting. It's not as uh, cool. Um, and I, as, as far as I'm concerned, that starts at like the, you know, 157th minute or whatever of the Matrix when Neo takes off flying. Yeah. So that, that's my number one. And it's number one because I keep having to deal with it because I like The Matrix. You know, mm-hmm. I'll actually sit down and watch that. Oh well sit down and watch Scott Pilgrim too, but it just does, it's just is not as bad. You know, i I don't have as much invested into the Scott Pilgrim movie as I do into The Matrix, because you know, I was like a teenager when it came out and I was like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna put on a suit and fight people. I well, would oh, black clothing and go. Doo, doo,
0: doo, but it also doo, brought doo, doo, up all those cool, um, you know, the the cool philosophical uh, and psychological uh, questions that it brings up are also really cool. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you know they decided to stretch their movie making yeah. skills a little bit too far.
1: Yeah, it's I ruined it, long black coats for a whole generation of people.
2: There's a there's a lot going on in the Matrix, um, and yeah, it just. I don't know it it is it is weird because to them it probably seemed like the next logical step it's like well we've already showing him stopping bullets with his brain uh where else what can we do to like punch this up it, you know it's like mm-hmm. well him and trinity like can get on punching? a can get on uh- a yeah him and Trinity can get into a flying car and go off into the sunset, I guess that actually <laughs> yeah. make more sense would, than yeah. the matrix in the matrix we'll it certainly
1: together would like Mr. Smith and the other agents
0: well, there's only <sighs> just one Mr. Smith. oh,
1: they're all Mr. Smith
0: me 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 yeah, all right, uh Matthew, what do you got for us uh copper top
1: all right, don't ever call me that again And second
0: <laughs>
1: here's the deal i. Anyone who listens to the Major Spoilers podcasts, um, our entire array of wonderful podcasts, including Critical Hit, which we love, the Major Spoilers podcast, the show you're listening to right now, top five and dozens of other amazing shows, all available at Majorspoilers.com, is that sometimes we, and by we, I mean the three of us, have themes to which we return and things that really bug us kind of in the way that... Marty McFly hates being called chicken or, uh, the kid from, uh, the kids from caper hated hearing the word banana. But for me, Stephen's point about Stephen King, not being able to end things is a solid one that has haunted me for years and years and years and literally years going back to probably around 1980 or 81 when my friend, the stork, whose father had a collection of Stephen King novels at that point, there were three or four of them. So only about 50,000 pages, uh, loaned me a couple of these books. And one of them that he loaned me was skeleton crew, which is a collection of King books. And it leads with an amazing, it's, it's not really a short story. It's more like a novella or a novelette. It's like a 1, 150 pages or something. And that story and the movie that sprang from it is called the mist. It is my number one, and the reason why is a personal one for me. The Mist is a movie that hurt me in ways that I never thought a movie could hurt me, because I loved the novella The Mist. The Mist is the story of a man who goes to the store one day and is somehow trapped in the store, surrounded by freaky, freaky aliens in this uh, titular mist, and doesn't know what's going on, and nobody really knows what's going on, and it's mostly about human nature in a crisis which means that there's fighting and people getting shot in the face and people constantly trying to kill each other even though they should be banding together in the face of adversity and at the end of the novella the mist and i don't want to give too much away we have ambiguity we have an o henry kind of a twilight zone rod serling thing where they don't tell us how it happens. They don't tell us what happens after David and his son and a couple of friends get out of the federated market. They do not tell us. And it ends with a line that is pretty bad because first of all, it's uh, it makes a point that two words sound alike when they don't. And second of all, it just sort of stops, but it stops in a way that sometimes you want a story to end. You want a story to not tell you. And then they all escaped into the bright light of a new day. So, flash forward twenty years. Frank Darabont, the guy who did um, the Shawshank Redemption, which is utterly perfect as far as I'm concerned, solid movie experience. Takes one of the better. Uh, short so now story. there
0: is a Stephen King's movie that actually has a good ending.
1: Yeah, and the story has a good ending too. That is yeah. the ending from the short story. But it's not
0: a horror. It's not a horror. That's the thing. Eh, eh, it's not, not mean, a horror sure.
1: story. It's it's human horror, but yeah, it's yeah. not We're like not like clowns in the sewers cars trying to kill you, telekinetic children. Rabbit you know, I, mean, I don't
2: know. I don't know how the book hotel. Ends, but I thought mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery Aliens. had an okay ending. Pet Cemetery's
1: book has a similar ending to the movie. The ending of Pet Cemetery though is another kind of almost ambiguous ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Mist movie, however, ends with David getting out of the market with a couple of friends and his six year old son. And it becomes important that David has a handgun in which there are three bullets and there are four people in the truck and they drive away into the mist. And I'm going to spoiler the end of this whole movie. And I'm going to do this with malice and forethought. So I want you to know, if you don't want to be spoilered on the mist, first of all, I love you and that's fine. You can go off and you can do whatever you need to do. Your mother and I support you in your bad choices, but here it is. The mist ends with them driving out into the night and it's all misty and they decide, okay, we're all going to die out here. So David murders his friends and his son. And then he gets out of the car and he says, come eat me bugs. And then, and I, I am crapping you negative. I swear to you, the cavalry literally rolls in the army and tanks and flamethrowers come through To save the day. And David is standing there having just murdered, mind you, his only son, his six-year-old child, two of his friends lying dead behind him. And he sees everyone that they left behind in the market, all the people who tortured him and tormented him and maybe tried to kill him, are all riding away on a truck, eating MREs or something, while the military comes in to save the day. And he is now forced to realize that in a moment of panic, he murdered his family three seconds too soon. And Frank Darabont, I hate you wherever bum, you bum, are. Bum. I hate you because that ending is so bleak. It is a story that ends in the original fiction with the possibility that they were all killed and eaten by Cthulian monstrosities from beyond the void. It ends with them probably... Dying or starving to death somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It ends with them maybe being squashed by a giant dinosaur thing from hell. And it's a better ending. (laughs) It's a less bleak ending than what we get in the movie. And if your short story originally ends in that weird sort of non ending territory, it's going to be a hard sell to turn into a movie. I get that. Movies have to have a big kind of climax, you have to have something huge. Where Sandy and Danny fly off into the sky because of Esmeralda's magic carburetor. You have to have that feel-good moment. You have to have that moment. At, you know why it's called Grease? Magic Grease. Esmeralda made it, put it in the car. That's why the film's called Grease, Steven.
0: You know, Flubber has a flying car, and that movie <laughs> makes a hell of a lot more sense than Grease.
1: And you know what else it makes more sense, than The Mist, which is a horrible horrible movie it's made by people who should feel bad because their ideas are bad and they are bad bad people with the only exception being anybody that i like in their next work like the lady who ended up going on and playing the cool girl on the walking dead carol her i forgive uh maybe i forgive uh the punisher who was the main character i i do kind of forgive no, i thought uh, the,
0: i thought superboy was the main character
1: no, Tom, the main Tom character I missed is the Punisher. Oh, no, Tom you're thinking was of the, the fog. Oh, and that's a John Carpenter <laughs> remake, and that's equally. Shut up! <laughs> and you know what? I also forgive the Captain from Brooklyn Nine Nine, who is the uh, evil lawyer next door. Mm. Andre Andre Brower is in this, and he's amazing with that voice. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, anything, but you know what? Anything he's in, I'm there for. Yeah, if you watch this movie, first of all, I just spoiled the ending for you, so <laughs> Merry F and Christmas, but uh, don't watch this movie. But if you do, just stop. Just stop when they drive away from the market and say, dot, 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 Stephen King can end a the story.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, Frank Darabont chose to add an yeah. ending that didn't need to be added, I, which more than claim- likely is my guess. Yeah. My guess is just like uh, Greece and just like okay. Planet of the Apes and okay. just like science, so- well, not science. Uh, you st- showed it to a studio exec and the studio exec was, so what happens? Do well, they, they get do they eaten? They, do, they, do they get eaten? Do, do he, all the aliens die because they're not used is to it? our bacteria and so they all suffered a horrible flu and that's why is, you need to get your children inoculated? It? Is it He's all a dream? So you know what, what happens? happens? At the end? You
1: should have the Punisher fly up into the sky with the powers. Oh that he man!
0: Got
1: oh, after Cipher. And how did Cipher get out of the Matrix if you have to have an operator to get out of the Matrix? Hey. How did he get out of the Matrix to betray them? Yeah, yeah. Or I'll you tell could. you how? It, yeah, it magic could've... carburetors
0: that he got from Esmeralda. Man. Yeah. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Now you've got us all in a bad Races. mood. Thank you, whoever Thanks wrote this lot, in. Listeners. Now we're on a bad mood because of movies that are okay, but had horrible, bad endings.
1: Ah, oh, uh, He's just over there. Uh,
0: I'm going to go try to make myself feel better by going to see Titanic or something.
1: Oh, wait. Ooh. Damn it. No, you do not uh, talk about the ending of Titanic.
2: He that movie ends he the way He could have floated
0: away ended. on the staircase.
2: You know what? You know what I had as, uh, I had one in my uh, also rans, yeah. but it, it just makes me too angry, so I didn't wanna like get into it. I had but uh... mystery I had mystery man because mm. I think the movie ends just fine and then as they're walking away it's like boink oh. boink 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 you're hey, an ass yeah, hat Exactly. I have to listen to, yeah, exactly. to, to all star yeah. I, for, like, the fifth movie that came out that year.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, I had a Dark Knight Rises on my list because Batman's dead and then, uh, you know, the butler finds he? him alive. What a dumb ending. I would have I, been happy with Batman blowing himself up.
1: I removed my number three because I did not want, uh, frankly, to enrage Steven. But if you went back in time, changed reality, and came back to a horrible, altered world where no one you love is who they were, your girlfriend is not the same person, your parents are completely different people, and also you have a truck, Marty McFly (laughs) is going to be traumatized. Everything he knows is wrong, and he now has to Yeah, but he has the girl and the truck. But he has to relearn everything in a
0: world of hell. I mean, think about this. He has this truck, but what else does he have? You're a high school kid, and it's not your senior year. You've got the girl in the truck. That's all you you're, need. But it's not the same girl. Well, your it actually, changed into no, a different girl. No, and Back to the Future, it is the same girl. It's not until you do Back to the Future 2, where suddenly she turns into Elizabeth Shue, and I'm you're like, saying, what the what? So I would say if you had movies that had bad beginnings,
1: I'm not saying I'd be upset. (laughs) Sorry, Um, but I will say this: (laughs) I will say I'll do this. Marty comes back to that and literally the only thing that he has, the only touchstone that he will have in that hellish freakish world is Doc Brown. And that's just messed up.
0: Uh, yeah, keep in mind, too, that the future. Ha- I mean, it's not like he came back and there's a monkey head on the Abe uh, Lincoln uh, Memorial. He didn't come Look, back to his, that world. He came back to his, no his immediate. <laughs>
1: his dad is Crispin Glover. His dad is
0: Crispin Glover.
1: His mom has his lost dad. like 80 pounds and is now like successful. <clears throat> it's got to be creepy. Everything you know about your siblings is wrong. He comes you from know- a
0: dysfunctional family. You know, he even in, even when he goes back to the future, ah. He's he's still uh, dysfunctional, so he probably pays as as little, spends as little time with his family as, as he possibly can. So this changes mm-hmm. nothing for him, except well, now his I mom's have... not going to give him grief about going to the lake with his girlfriend and getting it on until the aliens come and land, and he has to have his uh, doppelganger shoot them so he can go fly off into space and stop the uh, the the Codan Armada from invading Earth. The That's end. a different. Well, it all kind of works out to be the same movie. When you really think about it, and listeners, that's where you come in. You head over to Majorspoilers.com, and in the comment section of this episode, you share your top five movies with bad endings. We want to read them, so does everyone else, because everyone loves a list, and we will talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC.